So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, begins with these words. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'm just going to stop there for a moment because that has often caught me up. You know, it's one thing for God to to ask us to go somewhere. It's another thing when God says, head on out, I'll let you know later where you're going. Like, how do I pack? Which direction do I head out of town? How do I know what he's doing there? In 19, or 2019, I had the privilege of being asked to teach the Bible study at the annual gathering. And they asked me in January to do a Bible study teaching in October. And so I had all those months to look at the call of Abraham. And this question bothered me until I discovered something interesting. God had come to Abraham's father when he lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, and he called him to go to Cana in Galilee. And I say like this because you travel along the river and then you come back down into Cana. You don't go across the desert. And when they got to the top, they stopped in Haran and settled there. So even though God had called Abraham's family, and especially his father, to go to Canaan, they stopped along the way. And so when God comes to Abram and tells him, go to the place I will show you, and that place ends up being Canaan, we can sort of recognize that Paul was leading his father already He already had what I like to call a pre-call. His family was already moving in that direction. Dads, take heart. You know, it's very possible that what God is doing in our lives, he's doing uh, in a way that will end up leading our children. Then he goes on to say, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Now here's the hard part. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So so if you really dislike your enemy and they're cursing you, just let them go. Because they're in trouble. Not because of what we're going to do, but God says, you curse my people, you're in trouble. On the other hand, anybody who comes alongside to help you, they're in for a good blessing. So, by the way, let people help you. It's not so good to do it all yourself. This morning at first service, just as the service started, Moab came up to me and said, by the way, you're canting today. Now, you guys don't know this. You've maybe heard me sing or maybe not. I can cant, but I prepare to cant. I started to sweat as I was gladly welcoming people to worship this morning. And I was really grateful when Catherine came up and decided to camp for me this morning. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. So why does God choose Abraham? Abram. You know, we we don't honestly know. But maybe we want to also ask the question, why does God choose us? Because the fact of the matter is, is we often struggle with that. 
I mean, I would ask you and actually ask you to raise your hands, but I'm just not sure you'd all be honest with me. You know, do you feel chosen? And if you do, do you wonder why? Scott had a wonderful uh, uh, response this morning to having been chosen uh, to move now into a, a paid ministry position. Uh, his response was, I'm humbled. And oh, by the way, if you'll pray for me, I'd really appreciate it. If you have any advice, please give it to me, and I'll take all the help I can get. In part, that's because he recognizes he's going to need God to work through him to do this. In part, he's going to, it's because he recognizes that God will work through you to guide and bless him. So maybe you're questioning whether or not, in fact, you're called, but there's another aspect to this here. This promise of blessing that God gives to Abram is, is an amazing promise. But it ends with the notion that he's blessed to be a blessing. It's in with the notion. It's not that you're not just my favored one, but you're my favored one so that through you I can share that favor for the entire world. You are blessed and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. There were times when the people of Israel lost sight of that and we're going to discover that as we read through the Old Testament. There were times when they thought it's just about them. And for God, that it's really about the whole world. And just in case you think that that might be an exaggeration, listen to how many times the scripture repeats itself about Israel being chosen to be a blessing to others. In Genesis 18, 18, it says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Genesis 22:18 And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In Genesis 26 verse 4, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And Zechariah the prophet of all places in chapter 8 verse 13, and as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah, O house of Israel. So I will save you, and you shall be a blessing. Have you ever gotten an extra bonus you didn't expect and wondered, hmm, what do I want to do with this? Well, maybe the question is, is who does God want me to bless? Have some of you maybe entered retirement and thought, what do I want to do with myself now? I can do anything I want. Well, perhaps the question is, who can you bless? Because you indeed are blessed to be a blessing. You are indeed children of Abraham. And in case you're wondering about that, saying, wait a minute, Jim, I'm not Jewish. I'm not a child of Abraham. Let's listen to Genesis, or excuse me, Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. So those who have faith are blessed with the faithful Abraham. With Abraham, those who are people of faith in Jesus are blessed in the lineage according to the promise and covenant that God made with Abraham. And by the way, I haven't forgotten that we had Epiphany this last week. And I know that some of you are still a little upset with me because I told you you had to move the wise men away from the manger. The wise men are not a part of the Christmas story. 
They're a part of the epiphany story. In Matthew, they show up a little later when Jesus is now in a house. But, but epiphany is critically important because it reminds us that Jesus did not come. The Messiah did not just come for the chosen people, but rather Jesus came for everyone. God is on our side as his children, but he's also on our side. Where That is, he chooses us to be on his side so that he can bring everyone to be on his side. That he can use the blessings he pours out to us to let the world know that he loves them and that they're a part of it. Now there's another interesting thing in this journey of Abraham that I think is applicable to us as well. And, and that is uh, this, this, this thing that happens. Oh, by the way, if you, if you think it's easy, it's really not. Do you know how long it was between the time God told Abraham he would have many children and the time the, the son of the promise was actually born to Sarah? 25 years. Anybody had any children after being married 25 years? patience oh my goodness matter of fact so much so that like us sometimes uh, abraham got a little ahead of himself he decided maybe he should help god out a little bit and so he occasionally did some weird things uh, because he got tired of waiting for god to do what god said he was going to do and yet god was still faithful to him We, we mess up along the way but god is still faithful to us as well but there's this interesting story where Abraham and Sarah are out in, in a tent and, at, at the Oaks of Mamre, and, and these angels show up. And in that story, God announces again that Sarah will have a baby within the next year. Sarah laughs, you remember? By the way, earlier when God told that to Abraham, Abraham laughed. So Sarah wasn't the only one laughing. But in that same story, as you read the narrative, it comes to a place where the Lord speaks to the angels there and says, should we tell Abraham what's happening? He is blessed and all the nations of the world would we bless for him. Should we let him in on What's going on? In this same story where, where God reveals to Sarah that she's going to have a child, God also reveals to Abraham that he's going to destroy the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you remember the story, Abraham and Lot had been traveling together and they had so many herds that they had to separate. And Lot was down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so God is asking, you know, should I tell Abraham what we're going to do because of the wickedness down there in Sodom and Gomorrah? And Abraham has the audacity to recognize that he can now have a conversation with God about this. And they go into that story where Abraham says to God, you know, what if you find 50 righteous people down there? Will you destroy 50 because of the wickedness of the others? And God says, if I find 50, I will not destroy them. And then he says, well, 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 but 
what about 40? Will, will for the lack of 10 righteous people, will you destroy them? And then he goes to 30 and to 20 and to 10. And what he's really thinking, of course, is you're going to take care of Lot, right? I mean, you're going to take care of my nephew. He doesn't deserve this. But here's the amazing thing. We are not just chosen to be God's people. We're chosen to be in partnership with God. God will change what he's going to do based on a conversation with us in prayer. God cares what we think. Now, he doesn't let us decide what's going to happen, but he listens and he engages with us so that we can influence the very acts of God. That's power. That's authority. And that's a part of our calling as children of Abraham, as brothers and sisters in Christ. So what does that mean for us in the world? If we're, if we're indeed called, if we're indeed chosen, if we're indeed blessed to be a blessing, what impact are we called to have in the world? Well, Jesus says we are to be salt and light. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to make an impact, have an influence, be a preserving effect on the world. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when I would just as soon go sit in my room. I would just as soon not have to say anything. I, I kind of grew up, how many of you grew up with mom saying, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all? Any of you still living that way? Uh, trying to, right? Yeah, still a good idea? No. No, we're called to be salt on the earth. We're, we're, we're called to say something's wrong when we see something's wrong. We're called to stand up for those who are being hurt by those who are bad actors. It's a part of our calling. We are called to be a light in the world, to, to shine forth the goodness and the love and the graciousness of God, but also the truth of God. And by the way, a part of what we're doing in this reading through the Bible journey is encouraging you to be a part of grow groups. Some of you are and have been already for a long time, but we really believe that a part of being salt and light to one another is a part of being blessed to be a blessing. And as I find a verse or hear a word from God as I'm reading and I'm struggling with it, I want to have brothers and sisters in Christ and I can turn to and say, what do you think about that? I think God's calling me to do this, but that sounds crazy. What do you think? You know what will surprise you? What will surprise you is how often your brothers and sisters in Christ can see gifts in you that you cannot see. How often they will encourage you by telling you how you've blessed them in ways you didn't even know you were a blessing. And God will use us in each other's lives to, to strengthen our witness, to strengthen our calling, to make us more fruitful with our blessings. It's a part of what God calls us to be as his church and what we're seeking to do as we move forward. Furthermore, we have this great commission in the New Testament or we are called to make disciples. When I was teaching on this, there had been a speaker uh, before me who had talked about how important it was 
uh, not to lay our junk on other people and just let them believe in Jesus and don't ask them to try to live the way we live. And my response when I got up next to teach was, well, you know, I would love it if God said our job was to make believers in Jesus, but that's not what he said. He said make disciples of Jesus. He said baptize them and teach them to observe all that I command you, and remember as you do so, I'm with you always. You're blessed. St. Timothy's is a richly blessed community of faith. And it's mostly because of you. Gifted, wonderful, faithful, honestly struggling followers of Jesus gathered together. This is a great church. But it also has a great calling. We have to figure out how we're going to take the blessings God has poured out on us so that he can pour them out through us so that we can effectively bring others to become disciples of Jesus. Or, let me say it better, let the Holy Spirit do that through us as we go where he calls us to go, bless as he calls us to bless, and share that blessing with the world. Go. Make disciples of all nations. We go together. We go far. We make a difference because God has chosen us to be on his team, and that's what he's doing in the world. Amen. Thanks be to God.